0: We continue in asking and looking at uh, when life uh, hands you choices, how do you choose better, right? We've been looking at the past three weeks and asking ourselves, how do we get our lives into that better place, that better space? How do we take our lives and begin moving towards choosing better for our lives, for our family, for our communities, and for our world, right? And so today we are continuing in that. We're going to be looking at wisdom. And wisdom, what wisdom, and how wisdom can make our lives better, right? So just a reminder, though, the first time we got together and we started talking about how, how to make these choices, uh, we, we talked about one day, right? One day is better in your courts, O oh Lord, right? We, we looked at a verse, one day is better in the presence of the living God than a thousand elsewhere. And so we talked about how we, 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 our lives get better when we make the choices based on the presence of of the living God. And then, and then we, the next week we started asking the question of, you know, life gets better when, when we grasp a hold of what really matters in life, what really matters. Life gets better when we ask the question, what does matter in my life? And we choose to embrace that which matters. So today we are going to be looking at wisdom. Now I know uh, Pastor Bob challenged us all to memorize verses each week, right? And uh, you've all got it memorized, right? Pastor Bob's not here this morning, so it's just me. So I'll be honest with you, right? Um, I'm still working on mine. So I thought we could work together on memorizing, okay? So this is last week's verse. Let's read it together this morning. It comes from Ecclesiastes. Let's read it together. Here we go. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind right there you go it is better to have one handful of what really matters than to try to chase after the wind and try to grab onto two things two handfuls of what doesn't really matter in life right well this week i've got another verse for you and uh, you may not have noticed last week but in your handouts in your handouts you've got a little card that we started introducing and so uh, now you're all going to remember my verses really well aren't you Right, Because you're going to carry this around, you're going to put it in your pocket, you're going to carry it, and you're going to take it out every time you, you have a chance during the week. So pull out this little card, it's got this week's verse on it. Here you go, it comes from Proverbs 16:16. 16, 16. And So we're going to try memorizing this for this coming week, and so let's read this verse together. Here we go, ready? How much better to get wisdom than gold, and good judgment than silver. Indeed, it is better to get wisdom than gold, good judgment than silver. Now, I can be honest with you. I feel like this is kind of like a duh statement, right? It's kind of like, duh, wisdom is like a good thing, right? I want to be wise. And, and you know, if I have to weigh up things in my life, I would say that wisdom is going to be a priority. This is a really good thing. Um, but if I'm honest, I think we have to learn this, we have to learn that wisdom is, in fact, more valuable than a lot of things in life. And unfortunately, the only way that I've discovered that we actually learn this is by making unwise choices. You know what I'm talking about, right? You, you, you begin to realize and understand the value of wisdom when we begin to make unwise choices. That's why we have our teenage years, right? I mean, my gosh, they make an art of unwise choices at that time. It's just, it's something, it's this growing time in our lives where we begin to learn the value of wisdom over and against other decisions in our life that we might lift up and choose, right? But it's important to recognize the reason we learn this is because when we make unwise choices... When we make foolish choices, the Bible kind of opposes the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. We learn that there is a cost to foolishness. There is a cost to foolishness. We learn the value of wisdom when we learn the cost of our foolishness, of our foolish choices. And I don't need to prove that to you. I don't need to dig deep into there. I mean, think of a time in your life where you made an unwise decision, a foolish decision. And now think of what it cost you. It could cost you your reputation. It could have cost you a meaningful relationship. I mean, there's any number of costs that our foolishness lands us in, right? But ultimately, we begin to realize and understand that wisdom is indeed valuable more than, than gold and, and more than other experiences in life, because we, we learn that when we are foolish, it has a cost. So the question this morning should not be you know, do I want wisdom? Should I want wisdom? Yes. Yes, we want to be wise because we know that when we're foolish, there's a cost. So the question then changes to, to become, you know, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? So I'm sitting and trying to understand what is wisdom, asking myself this question. I'm stroking my beard, and I'm leaning over like this and trying to, you know, what is wisdom, right? And I did, I, I landed at the principle that I think most young people do. I, I sought greater wisdom than myself. I asked the Google. I Googled it. I Googled what is wisdom. And according to Google, wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, knowledge, and good judgment. And I thought, well, that's cool. But, but I'm, you know, my generation, we, we think a lot in terms of pictures, and we're very, very visual, right? So then I did what everyone sh- you know, does. They, they clicked from Google what is wisdom to Google images of what is wisdom, right? So I want to see what is wisdom, what, is it, what does wisdom look like, okay? And, and here is what wisdom looks like. You know who that is? Shout it out if you know. Dumbledore! Yeah! It's a pretty wise guy, don't you think? Albus Dumbledore. We got a couple Harry Potter fans in the house, right? Yeah. Albus Dumbledore. Um, pretty wise guy. Okay, here's another one for you. <laughs> wise you shall be. Right? Who's this? Yoda, Yoda. Pretty wise guy. He's small, he's green, but he has a lot of wisdom. Does he not? Okay, here's another one for you. This is a little more contemporary. Anyone know who this is? I think I just heard it whispered out there. This is... uh, I've been practicing this name all week, okay? So I apologize. I actually went to videos just to learn how to say the name, and I still mess it up. This is uh, Malala Yousafzai. Yousafzai. Malala Yousafzai. Uh, Malala is a fascinating character in today's world. She's a strong advocate for women's education, particularly stemming uh, in the area in the region of the Middle East. She's the youngest person in the history of the world to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. This is Malala. Here's another one for you. Who knows who this is? Any ideas? Yeah, I just heard it. Confucius. This is Confucius. He was a scholar. He was a, a scholar back, a philosopher back in around 500 BCE. He was in Asia, and what's amazing about Confucius is that, I mean, his, his, his teachings and his scholarly work is still embraced, still used today, right? So this is, this is Confucius. Now, while according to Google, there's, there's wisdom, and this is what it looks like, I was challenged by the fact that I, I, I think that the Bible defines wisdom differently than Google, scripture, the Bible, what we as Christ followers, we look to the Bible, we look to scripture is what we call it. We look to the Bible. and, And when we look into the Bible, we find that the Bible actually defines wisdom differently than Google. Okay. So I began digging around the Bible and looking at, you know, how does, how does the Bible define wisdom? And here's the verse that I landed on. If you're familiar with your Bible, if you haven't had a chance to read your Bible, if you're just starting to get into it, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And I'd really recommend you spend some time in Proverbs. It's a book inside the Bible. The Bible is a collection of books. And in the book of the Bible, inside the book, within the book, uh, there is a book called Proverbs. And here it is in chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord, the fear of God, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy one is understanding now before we get too tripped up the hebrew word for fear the hebrew word for fear there is yirah everyone say yirah yeah come on it's hebrew yirah yeah okay we'll work on it uh, yeah hebrew word yirah yirah is what the word for fear is, and, and what it really means, a more broad perspective of understanding what Yerach means, is a, a profound respect for someone. A recognition of someone's awesomeness. Worship. Reverence in relation to another. That is what Yerach is. And so it's important for us to begin and, and notice right away that Yurah wisdom, starts at, it begins with this, this, this contextual understanding that there's a relationship within wisdom. There's a relationship between humanity and God, right? People and God, in which people, human wisdom, human biblical wisdom, begins with understanding and recognizing God's awesomeness, God's power, God's divinity, God's lordship, God's majesty. That is human, the human side of the relationship of wisdom, right? Now, the flip side, what's fascinating is that it's actually true on the flip side, right? We say that God also has tremendous, great, perfect wisdom. And that's because God is making decisions in life out of his awesomeness, out of his majesty, out of his divinity, he makes decisions based on us. And that's his wisdom. So, so we, we engage in wisdom when we begin to make decisions based on God's divinity and majesty and power loose in our lives and in this world. And the flip side is true, God enters into great wisdom and exhibits great wisdom when he, out of his majesty and power, makes decision in relation to us. That, that relationship, that is your So the starting point for us to kind of to wrap up all of that is to say that wisdom begins with Urah. this fearful, respectful, intimate relationship between God and humanity. That's where, that's where you find wisdom, Yurah. Now, going back, and I mean way back, going back to the beginning of time, we, we can begin to see that humanity has struggled with Yerach. I mean, humanity has struggled with with wisdom and Yerach, with this relationship of reverence and respect towards God. Right? We, we, We can see throughout history that people are really good at making foolish choices. We make foolish choices that... That, that ignore God, that ignore His divinity and His power, that really reject Him as a significant part of our lives. We reject Him in and, and, and doing so. I mean, when we reject God in His, in His wisdom and His majesty, we also reject Him in His, His love. We reject Him in His, His life and all the good things that He wants to pour into us. But, hey, what the heck, we figure we know what's better, right? So we choose to, to, to sever ourselves from Yerach, Sever the relationship and make decisions based on us, based on ourselves and what we think is best. Right? I mean, again, think of a time in your life. Have you exhibited foolishness? What did it cost you? And was it in tune with God's plan, God's way of doing things? Was, 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 it, was it a decision that was made conscious of who God is and what God wants for my life? No. When we're foolish, we say, God, you know what, not so much, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to do things my way. And we make a foolish decision, and a foolish decision ends up costing and so we can look back all the way to the beginning. This is nothing new. If you, if you look at the, the fancy word they taught me in seminary is metanarrative. It's this big fancy word that means kind of the, the big picture story. If you look at the metanarrative, the big picture story from the beginning of time until now and even beyond to the end of time, we recognize that humanity has struggled with yirah, struggled with wisdom. Well, God says, you know what? Humanity's struggling. Rather than dump humanity, I'm going to call attention to myself. I'm going to try to bring people back into Yorah with me. I'm going to try to bring them back into relationship with me. And the way he chooses to do that is by giving us a a, a book of advice, uh, uh, rules on how to live, how to make wise choices, how to live in Yorah and avoid the pitfalls of our own foolishness, right? And so he, he sends this, this, this book, and it's a large part of the, what's called the Old Testament. That would be the front half of the Bible, okay? It's a large part of, of our uh, spiritual heritage, and it's this book that's full of rules and advice and ways to live in Yerah. Now, the bummer with this is that humanity seems to have foolishness like a disease, right? We just can't seem to get rid of it. And so even though we've got this book, even though this is really great, we've got this book and it's, it's going to teach us how to live and, and bring us back in a right relationship with God, we, we start misusing the book or ignoring the book. We, we, we start um, addressing the book in such a way as to make it for our own advantages, and so we're, God's looking, looking and thinking, my gosh, I gave you the advice. I gave you the book. Come on, people. What's the deal? Here we are. We're going back to square one. Foolishness is pervading, despite the fact that I've given you this book on how to live in your ah, to live wisely. So the book doesn't quite pan out. So God says, okay, book didn't work. I'll send messengers people i'm going to send people i'm going to put my words in their mouth they're going to go out and they are going to be my messengers uh uh, church people call them prophets it's a fancy word well humanity in their foolishness uh kills them unwise no you there right we kill the prophets and all of a sudden we're still back to square one foolishness is pervading we begin to see that, you know, this is kind of a depressing story. All of you are like, this is the most depressing sermon I've heard. Right? You're basically telling me I'm foolish and that there's no hope. But wait! But wait. Even though humanity might be plagued with foolishness, even though foolishness might be a part of my story, and I'm, I'm pretty confident it's probably part of your story too, even though we can't seem to figure out this whole yirah thing, this whole wisdom thing, and how to live in relationship to God, remember, God is the other side of yirah. God has His own wisdom. You see, when we reject making decisions in our life based on God, that doesn't mean that God stops making decisions in his existence based on us. In fact, that's exactly what he does. He sent the book. Book didn't work. He sent the prophets. Prophets didn't work. And so God is, is, is looking at this situation and he says, Man, this is going to take something radical. This is going to take something outlandish. We've got to start thinking about this differently. I am am going to do something in my wisdom. I am going to do something based on on humanity, in relation to humanity, that has never been done before. If my my awesomeness, if my majesty, if my power, if my goodness and, and perfection is what's keeping this Ura thing from happening, I choose, based on humanity, I choose, as God, to give up my majesty, to give up my power, to give up what it means to, ho- to have reverence with another. God chooses to give up his godliness and instead chooses to, to enter into the world and he, he wraps himself in human flesh. And we're actually going to celebrate it soon. We're getting ready to celebrate this, this event, this moment, this, this wise decision God made. We're going to celebrate it. It's coming up. What is it called? Anyone know? Christmas. Yes. Christmas is that moment where God steps down into human existence wrapped in human flesh based on His wisdom, based on your ah, with humanity. God becomes Jesus Christ. And in the person of Jesus Christ, God embraces us Despite our foolishness, tangibly, he hugs us. He gets dirt on himself. He he becomes human and he walks with us and he eats with us and he spends time with us. He is this, this God man, Jesus, the Christ. Because the the fullness, as it says in Colossians, the fullness of God, the fullness of the deity, the fullness of our Heavenly Father dwells within the person of Jesus Christ who is living and breathing and walking among humanity. Because God chose in His wisdom to do so. The fancy church word we use for this is incarnation. God incarnates, takes on flesh. The you know, sad thing, but, but a reality, is that in, in taking on flesh, in incarnating and, and, and becoming part of our world, in embracing us in our foolishness, we have to remember foolishness has a cost. Our foolishness, your foolishness, my foolishness, it has a cost. And yet, in the person of Jesus Christ, in this God-man, Jesus, he he embraces and takes upon himself our foolishness. And it cost him his life. But, But this isn't... This this is what becomes majesty. This is what becomes awesome. This is what becomes the victory for Christians. This is why we're such a weird people. It's because we point to God hanging dead and we say, yes. That is the wisdom and the power and the majesty of a divine God. Because you see, Jesus is a God man. And in in giving up his life, in dying for you, in dying for me, in in forgiving our foolishness and paying the cost, Jesus, in his power and in his majesty, lays down his life and three days later, picks his life back up again he can do that he's a god man he is god in flesh and death does not stop him and so for you and for me for you and for me we we when Jesus is resurrected, as Jesus, as we proclaim the good news of, of his his life, his death, and his resurrection, that's why we celebrate the empty cross, because of his resurrection, we are invited to live life once more in Yerach. We are invited to make decisions in our lives based on the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. He becomes our wisdom. Scripture says it this way. The Bible says it this way. Christ, Jesus, He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It is through Christ as the power and the wisdom of God that we are brought into Yurah once more. And where we can begin to make decisions in our life based on Him. Where, where we look at our life and we say, man, I'm going to treat, treat my children based on Jesus Christ and what He's done for me. I'm going to treat my spouse based on Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to base my my business decisions, my financial decisions, my pregnancy decisions, my infertility decisions, my family decisions, my dysfunctional decisions. I am going to base my life and the decisions that I have in life on the person of Jesus Christ and what He has done for me. And in doing so, In doing so, I embrace biblical wisdom. This is our verse. It's on your card. But uh, I, I confess, I edited this a little bit. I edited this a little bit because I think... I think when you read this card, I think, I think that you, you'll, you'll, you'll be drawn back into Yerach uh, with Jesus the Christ. When you live in wisdom and when you understand that Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God, you are brought into Yerach uh, wisdom. And so I'm going to ask to conclude today, to conclude the sermon, we're going to read this together one more time. We're going to read it uh, with a slight editation on my part. You ready? We're going to read this together. Here we go. How much better to get Christ than gold and forgiveness than silver? Indeed, I believe that life is truly better when we live according to Jesus Christ and make decisions out of the yorah he purchased for us on the cross. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Father in heaven, this morning we gather and we acknowledge that you are perfect. You are holy. You are good. You are divine. You are power and you are majesty. And yet you chose to to give up your majesty and, and, and become a lowly servant. You chose to step into our worldly existence, to step into the mud and the muck and the mire of our lives. You took on flesh in order to forgive our foolishness. Thank you. Grant that we might live our lives in light of the wisdom of Christ, in light of your wisdom, in drawing close to us, forgiving us, and giving us your love. Help us enter into your rah once more. This we ask, this we pray according to Jesus the Christ. Amen.